Thanks for tuning in to another episode of On Air with Rebecca. I recently sat with one of my favorite people, Dr. Keenan Bridges, and we had a very engaging conversation. It was so good that we couldn't fit it into one episode. So let's pick it up where we left off. But what's interesting is that when all of these Hollywood actors were coming out about when they'll talk about all different kinds of topics and they're so passionate about it. But when, you know, with this whole cancel culture mentality, when they would speak out against these people, right? Right. Someone would be lifted up for something that they said and then everyone would cancel them. And then all these Hollywood people would come out and say, I can't believe they did this. And, Mm -hmm. And I remember it reminded me of something and it made me feel gross. And I thought, who do these people remind me of, these Hollywood celebrities? And then I put it together and I go, oh my gosh, these remind me of the religious Christians I grew up with because Mm. they were hypocrites. Mm. It was that same kind of spirit where it was like, there's no redemption for you. Exactly. You know, you've done wrong, legalistic, you know, and they're holding up this standard. And that's not the gospel at all. Like you said, the gospel of the Lord is for redemption. Mm. You know, it's for reconciliation. It's for forgiveness. If you, you know, you just have to repent. Right. And God doesn't make it difficult. Yeah. He did the difficult part for us. That's good. Come and on. And that's why like cancel culture is so anti-God and anti-gospel. Yeah. Because it's not making a way for restoration. Exactly. It wants to shut people down exactly. altogether. Exactly. And you brought up such a good point. All of us deserve to be canceled because Man, we've all messed you. up. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. what blew my mind when all these people were so willing to just <laughs> condemn people and call them guilty. I said, if your life was put up before the world, I'm sure there's something that you've done. Not just that, but these people are the most yeah. guilty of all. That's the irony of it all. I know. You know, I, I think about the story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. I want you to think about this maybe in a way you've never thought about it before. So the, the Pharisees and religious leaders come to him with stones in their hand and says, the, Moses says this woman ought to be stoned. She was caught in the act. I want to put emphasis on that. She was caught in the act, and the last time I checked, it takes two to tango, I know. right? So she was caught in the act. And the Bible says that they said, this woman ought to be stoned, what do you say? And Jesus didn't answer them. He said, let he that is without sin cast the first stone. And of course they dropped the stones and they left. And, and she says, Lord, he says, where are your accusers? And he says, neither do I accuse you. But let me, let me show you one little element that we don't think about. Where was the man? If they were caught in the act, where was the man who committed adultery? They just brought the woman out. Could it be possible that he was holding a stone? Oh, wow. That's cancel culture. Some of the most guilty of our numbers are the ones leading the charge for the cancel culture because they're trying to rid the resistance to what they really desire to do. And that's why oh, wow. the church has to really be prayerful. See, the church is, is particularly vulnerable to this mm-hmm. because we're about love and we're about justice and we're about helping the poor, the, the downtrodden. So our knee-jerk reaction is to align with movements. Yes. You know? Oh, Black Lives Matter. Okay, let's go with that. And anybody that says, so so anybody who says anything that's racist, right? We have to destroy that person, remove them from the equation, right? But the problem with it is this. 
what about the people who are leading this charge, the rappers, the, the, the entertainers, who use all kinds of epitaphs in their music? I mean, you have rappers who get Grammys for making songs about women that are degrading and misogynistic, getting up and saying, we need to stand for Me Too. It's, it's crazy. I know. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's just a hot mess. And, and, and somebody has to say, you know, this doesn't make any sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So we, as a church, I just feel like we have to just at some point say, okay, no, we're not going to go for this. See, it's so interesting that you said that because I've been thinking about this mm-hmm. for a little over a year, how the world is preying on good Christians, real kind hearts and goodness. Yep. And they're taking that, but they're, because Christians are want to be supportive, they want to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but they don't realize that they're extorting it for an agenda that's evil and anti-God. Exactly. And that's the deception behind yep. it. It's not that we don't want truth and justice and we want to help those that are hurting. We want all of those things, but we want to do it God's way. Exactly. And we Come don't on. want to spread a kingdom that's anti-God. Exactly. You know what's interesting is that when a um, few months ago, I, I go to a really great church and they did this thing where they said, you know, this week we're going to just ask you guys to pray for the, you know, walk around your neighborhood and just pray for the people in your neighborhood. And I always like to kind of always be in alignment with my church and I believe in local church and submitting to authority and all of that. And so I was like, I was actually driving. I have a two-year-old and he was in the back and I was like, you know what? I was having a, I was worshiping and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pray and just kind of drive around the neighborhood. I ended up kind of being in the spirit. I don't really know how the best way to explain it, but what was interesting is as I saw the back of someone's car and I saw, I don't even, I didn't even see what politician it was or what campaign it was, but it was something about elect this person. Mm -hmm. This person's gonna fix our issues. Mm -hmm. And that's always whatever party or whatever cause, that's always Mm -hmm. kind of the platform. And God spoke to me and he said, people want to turn to someone to solve their issues and yet that person won't even acknowledge me. Wow. And I was just like, oh my goodness, it's so right. It's like, why do we keep looking to people who don't, even acknowledge God or anti-God to try to f- fix the world's problems. The world's, yeah. where do the world's problems come from? Yeah. It come from sin, from the exactly. fall of man and from exactly. the devil and his demons working right. in the world. So why is we as, as the church are trying to partner up with these people right. and come in, in alignment with them? And it's because we don't see the deception behind mm-hmm. it because they come as it good. Yeah. It's just like the snake in the garden. Exactly. He seems good. He seems like this is a good thing when really it's diabolical. Very diabolical. You know, uh, it says in the book of Isaiah, woe unto them who call good evil and evil good, who, who mistake light for darkness and darkness for light. The great deception of the end times is not evil. Yeah. The great deception is not evil. The great deception is good without God. Yes. That is the deception of this age, that we can achieve some sort of relative good apart from God. You know, going back to the Me Too example, uh, you know. And that's humanism. It is is secular humanism. You know, I grew up in in Atlanta, Georgia. I went to a historically black college and university and all of that. Mm -hmm. I've I've done civil rights tours with the actual 
civil rights leaders, Dr. Joseph Lowry, Reverend James Orange, and John Lewis. I've marched with these guys. And so I understand that I was a part of United Negro College for NAACP, all these different uh, initiatives that I was a part of. And what I began to see was the deception. I began to see that race became more important than relationship. I began to see that the melanin in my skin had become a god mm-hmm. um, or the lack thereof. And God began to deal with me, and I, I think you know the video I did called The Day I Stopped Being Black, and people just really were inflamed by it, but it was a, it was a journey of breaking free from the system of control. Because let me show you something. We're talking about cancel culture. If my identity is in the melanin in my skin, anytime there's a cause, I will align with the melanin. Yep. Regardless of whether or not that cause aligns with God. And, and that's, that's what's And that's bondage. And that's deception. bondage and deception. And that's what's happening today. You know, um, people. You know, it's amazing. You have a, I saw somebody get up there and they were talking about, you know, I, I just won't stand for, for the, the mistreatment of women. And their song that they got a Grammy for was a song about basically um, the objectification of women. So on the, one, on the one hand, you are being enriched by the enslavement, objectification of women, the bondage and abuse of women. On the other hand, you're using your, that same influence to be a voice in the culture. This is total idiocy and it's total foolishness. And yet, God must intervene in the church mm-hmm. so that we can realize that we cannot lend our voice to every cause. We have to examine the cause. The Bible says in, in, in 1 John chapter 4, it says, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of God. Yeah. We can't just immediately align ourselves with any agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, and the church is being pimped. I hate to say that on your podcast. Lord have mercy. But it's true. The church is being prostituted for our goodness and our hearts and our lucky charms and all of that. And, and let's everybody just sing kumbaya and act like you don't see anything. That's not the church. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is the one that says that going on in government is evil. The church is the one that says, mm-hmm. no, marriage is between a man and a woman. The church is the one that says, no, 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 I love black folks, but I don't love this agenda. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we need to unmuzzle the church. The church has been muzzled. And the church has been pushed into a corner where we can't say anything. And if you say anything, you're hating somebody. No, I don't hate you. I just disagree with you. You know, but that is the spirit of this age where anything that is not the narrative becomes a grounds for you to be punished. You know what? I'm going to punish you because you don't agree with me. So I, I think we need to fight against this. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that was the deception behind it is it started off as seemingly good. Yeah. But really, it's trying to silence the church altogether. Of course. Of course. Because the power is in our voice. Yeah. And it's his, it's his message. Yeah. What's interesting is someone said, I don't even, I think it was Jonathan Kahn, he was just here. He said, if you allow cancel culture 
to intimidate you, you'll cancel yourself. Wow. Because you won't even say anything. Wow. How mind-blowing yeah. is that? Yeah. And um, one of the things we were talking about off camera on another show, actually, was I was talking about the day and age that I feel like we're in is similar to the days of Elijah when he faced Jezebel. Yeah. And it was a time when Baal worship was overtaking the nation of Israel. Yeah. And she was so intimidating. Yes. I mean, really scary. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, for you know, no one, and Elijah had a decision he had to make. Was he going to stand up against her? Or was he going to cower away in fear? But mm. it would affect the nation. Mm. And I feel like the church is in a position now where, you know, I think a lot of people have tried to avoid mm -hmm. talking about certain things, but mm -hmm. I think we're coming to a place where you're going to have to say something yeah. or not say anything at all. Yeah. But if you do stand up and trust God and speak his truth, mm. he will be faithful. I believe so. I believe we're in the age of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes, me too. Yeah, I believe that... Because uh, our world is a lot like Babylon it's, now. It's very Babylonian, the system. Very pagan. Very pagan. Worshiping the devil. Yeah, <laughs> and if you don't worship this image and you don't bow, you're going to be thrown into the fire. That's cancel culture. Either bow or die. But here's the beauty that I tell people all the time. I died in 1996 when I got born again yep. and filled with the Holy Ghost. So I, I, I'm, I'm one of those preachers, and I, my, my security staff at the church, they say, Pastor, can you please stop? <laughs> That's what I mean. They say, you're telling people to bring it on. Come on over here. And they said, they're coming. <laughs> it's so funny. But I mean it, though. I'm like, come on. You know, I'm not going to. I've had death threats. People call me, they'll, they'll, they'll send messages and say, you know, you need to die. Somebody ought to murder you. And I'm trying to get delivered all the way because there's a, there's a part of Southwest Atlanta still down in there. And I'll say, come on, bring it on there. Come on, I'm, I'm at this address. <laughs> Lord, deliver me. Pray for me. But um, we got to stand, man. I, I, I'm tired of being bullied. I've been bullied. I used to be bullied as a kid. And that's how I started fighting. I said, you know, the thing about a bully is if you, if you give him... If you give him your day, he'll take your year. Mm. That's how it works. If you give the devil your day, he'll take your year. If we give the devil this year, he'll take our decade. That's how the enemy is. Yeah. And so we have to say, here yeah. is the line in the sand. Mm -hmm. I'm not moving. I'm not budging. Throw me in the fire if you want but God will deliver me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I was thinking is I just had this experience with the Lord while I was once again praying in my car. That's a lot of times where I encounter God's presence. And what was interesting is I was driving, I was in my neighborhood, I was almost home and I had a vision and it was of these Asian people. I'm pretty sure they were Chinese and they were worshiping God mm. and their faces were radiating. Oh, it gets me a little emotional. It was, they were radiating the glory of God. Mm. But I knew that they were probably going to lose their lives because mm. of worshiping the Lord. And God spoke to me and he said, have you count the cost? Mm. And there's this um, scripture in the gospels where Jesus is telling, he says, look, you can follow me. And that's where that famous scripture, he says, you know, hate your brother, or your sister, or mother. And a lot of times people can misinterpret it. Jesus is simply saying, you have to put me above all else. Mm -hmm. And he says, 
you have to count the cost mm -hmm. before following me. And he says, what builder would start a project and not count the cost of materials? Mm. And what I realized is because I grew up in America, mm. I'd never been really persecuted for my beliefs. Mm. I'd never truly counted the cost unto death. Mm. Whereas like these believers, you know, I was thinking of like the underground church in China, they know mm -hmm. that it could cost them their lives. Yeah. And in that moment, I told the Lord, I counted the, I counted the cost and I said, God, I want to follow you no mm. matter what it costs. Mm. Um, but I think we're coming to an age where we really have to count the cost and mm. ask ourselves, are what are, are, what are we willing to pay mm -hmm. to follow Christ? Are we willing to pay any, everything? Mm -hmm. And I think we're just beginning to feel the pushback. Yeah. I don't know what direction our nation is going, honestly, in terms of, you know, are we going to go into more freedom? Are we going to go into more persecution? I don't know. But what I'm believing for is revival. And that is what is something I've been believe I'm believing for worldwide revival. I believe there's mm -hmm. going to be an end time revival. Mm -hmm. I feel like God speaks about it. I've, God has, I believe, has shown me these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just a year ago, my fast last year, that was what the Holy Spirit wanted me to pray for. Mm -hmm. And so I'm believing and contending for those things. Yeah. Um, but I believe that as going back to counting the costs, as I'm beginning to see just a little bit of persecution in mm -hmm. our nation, I think it really makes us begin to really think mm -hmm. and it really tests us. Are we really going to stand up yeah. for what's right? Yeah. Because Christianity in America used to be something where you could get influence, you could get money, you could get popularity. And if all of that is taken away, and now you could get jailed, yeah. you could get in trouble, you could get fined, mm -hmm. you could get canceled, would you still do it? I exactly. think this kind of testing yeah. is really sifting the church. Yeah. But what's beautiful is I think it could set us up for revival. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that we're going into the greatest season of awakening that the church has ever seen. I believe it's gonna be a Book of Acts moment when Herod, stretched forth his hands to vex the church, and he killed James. James was a pillar. Everybody admired him. He was respected. He was influential. And, and here, someone that, that the church uh, admired and revered was taken out. And the devil th used that to try to discourage the church, yeah. to try to you know, intimidate the church. But the opposite happened. The church became more bold. They prayed more. <laughs> you yeah. know? And in that chapter, it says, after a while, it says, and so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And the disciples actually multiply. So persecution has always been a necessary component to shake the church. Mm -hmm. We weren't ready for COVID-19. We weren't ready. No. The church was too comfortable. And this shook us. And there's more shaking to come. I think so too. But, but I believe with all of my heart that for those who you're talking about, those remnant who've counted the cost, I believe they're going to flourish in some of the most seemingly dark, dark times that we've seen. Mm -hmm. um, this is the hour for the church, Sister Rebecca. I, I believe that this is the hour for the church. I believe the church is going to shine now mm -hmm. more than we've ever sh shined before. And it's going to be in the midst of the pandemonium. Yeah. I'm telling people, hey, don't wait till the, till the, till the coast clears. It's time 
to make our stand now. Yeah. Our imprint now. They need to feel us now. It's time for us to speak, you know. If they take away your 501c3 status, if they if they if they try to use all of these religious things against you, I saw a recent article. They're compiling a list of anyone that's given uh, a religious exemption. The United States government is doing this right now. They're compiling a list of anybody that's given a religious exemption, and they're going to use it to try to you know take some action against those organizations. Hmm. But regardless of what comes, are we willing? To say, Lord, if God be for me, who can be against me? And if you, and this is the last thing I'll say on that, you know, if you, um, if you're afraid that your past can be used against you, repent, put it under the blood, get get right with God. Yeah. Put your stuff, get your life under the blood of Jesus Christ. That way you can have a boldness. Jesus was not afraid because he was in right standing with God. Yeah. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. So if if we're not righteous, sometimes it's because there's areas in our lives of compromise yeah. that we need to really rectify. But once you rectify those things, who can stand against you? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was just thinking about when we had Jonathan Kahn on. He said, as the dark, he said things were very gray especially like in America, it was a very Christian yeah. culture, but it was muddled. Mm-hmm. And he says, as the dark gets darker, mm-hmm. the light also becomes lighter. That's right. And I just, one of my favorite verses is in Philippians 2. It talks about living your life a certain way. And it says, you will shine like stars among a perverse and crooked generation. There it is. And I remember, you know, John Paul Jackson, who was like a mentor, he always said, this is one of the most exciting times mm-hmm. to be a believer. And even though we're not supposed to fall underneath fear mm-hmm. or the pressure where we see the world going, but we're actually supposed to look up mm-hmm. to Jesus and know that our redemption draws nigh, yeah. it's near. Mm-hmm. But now is the time to make a stand because we have an eternity to look forward to yeah. and what we do, this life is so small. The devil, to, yeah. yeah, the devil wants to make us feel really down and wants to scare us or intimidate mm. us or makes it feel like it's forever, but it's mm. so minor. Mm. And it compared, Paul says, to the glory that's in store. Yeah. So I would encourage people, now is the time to stand. Yeah. And like there are different crowns. I think there's five different crowns for different things because, you know, like the crown of righteousness, longing for Christ's return, Mm -hmm. not getting caught up in this world being Mm. your home, but longing for his appearing and wanting that above everything else. Wow. You know, there's different things for us to contend for and mm. to believe for. And that, you know, my thing is that when I stand before Christ, I wanna, I wanna know that I did the right thing yeah. and that I did what he asked him to do. And that, I don't know, it's like as things get harder, I don't, it is exciting at the same time. Oh man, I'm excited. I am too. I don't care what they're talking about. I'm, I'm living my best life in Christ and, uh, and I don't mean it in a selfish way. No, but, or a prideful way. Yeah, a prideful way. Yeah. But, this is our this is our best season. Yeah. You know, as a church, as individuals, this is our time. And I told the church, I said, this is a season of divine conquest. You have to take dominion over this year. Yeah. You can't again That's good. that cancel culture has made us it, it has so uh, incapacitated people 
that they, they're afraid to even grab hold of anything anymore. They just want to observe what's, they want to be on the sidelines. Yeah. But we can't do that. We have, to, we have to take dominion over this year. We have to possess the land. And they're going to be giants. Yeah. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So you were saying it's time to conquer this year. Right. And you actually shared on another show about how God had given you a word about, it was in Jeremiah, and it was about the threshing floor. Yeah, Jeremiah 55 or Jeremiah 58, one of those. Yeah. Can you share that word? Yeah, I can. So um, the Lord had given me this word about um, the threshing floor. He just kept telling me the threshing floor, the threshing floor. I said, well, what are you talking about? So he yeah. took me to the scripture in Jeremiah, and he says, tell the daughter of Babylon that I will, that, that to take her to the threshing floor, for I will thresh her. But then it says, it has all these, has all these promises that, that she, will, she will flourish, she will prosper. So I started to study about the whole threshing thing. And the threshing floor in the ancient world was a place where they separated the wheat from the wheat husk. Mm -hmm. And they did it with something called a flail. So they would beat it. Literally, it's like a, it's like a nunchuck, right? And it's just yeah. pow, and you're just beating it, beating it. And it separates. And God said this would be a season of great separation, that this, the, the pressure and the beating of the season would separate the wheat from the husk, right? But the Lord said to me, he said, after that, he said that that same threshing instrument that was used to thresh her and to separate her, the wheat from the husk, he said that that instrument will become an instrument of battle, of warfare, where we will actually conquer and we will dominate the enemy with that same thing, that same instrument that was used to thresh us, yeah. we will not use against the enemy. And so um, it's exciting. I believe that I believe that there's been a separation, a necessary separation. I believe God separated wheat from tares, sheep from goat, mm -hmm. the five virgins, like you were saying. Yeah. And it's been frustrating, but it's absolutely necessary for what's to come. There must be a separation between the fearful and the faithful right, between mm -hmm. the believers and the unbelievers, even yeah. in the church. Yeah, because yeah. these past couple of years, I mean, they've felt yeah, like man. a beating. I'm telling but you. But it's, honestly, it is the, it sounds a little ironic, but it is the mercy and grace of God. It is. Because that is how he prepares us. Exactly. And it's just like going through the fire. Yeah. You're purified. Yeah. And I remember, I, you know, I feel like I've been going through a season like that and it's been difficult. Yeah. But I'm just thankful because in that season of testing, not only does God teach us and purify us and prune us, yeah. but he also shows us who he is yeah. and who is most important, that he is our foundation. Yeah. I was telling my husband the other day, I was like, I felt like if I had any false security in some of these other things, God has cut that off yeah. and he's shown me it's only me. Because when the time has come to step into these new things, you wanna be ready. Yeah. I think about my Devo, it said, have you ever thought about all the things that you're praying and asking God for, mm. have you ever thought, are you ready to have those things? Mm. And it says, don't just pray and ask God for the things that you want. Pray that you're ready for those things. Mm. And wow. so while I'm seeking different things, I'm, I also ask, Lord, prepare me for that. You wow. know, prepare me for these things. Purify me. You yeah. know, you don't want to go through into something with not the right character, without the right 
purification from the Holy Spirit. And so that's one of the things I was thinking about is to not, for people not to be discouraged by the beating, mm. but to be encouraged mm. and know that God only chastens those who he calls his children. That's right. If you are not being chastened by the Lord, then you're not a child of God. I know, yeah. And I think about my That's son. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I thought about, I used to not like that verse, to be honest, yeah. because I didn't think about it from a perspective of love mm. until I had my own child. And I thought, if my kid was gonna go do something dangerous, I would discipline him. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I don't discipline my kid out of anger. Right. I discipline my kid in love, so it's right. not harsh. Yeah. But it's it's a protective thing. Yeah. God does this to protect us from evil, from harm, from yeah. us even harming ourselves. Right, wow. The last thing that I wanted you to share was you had a, I think it was a dream about the freezing. Yeah. Can you share that? Yeah. So um, the Lord had given me this prophetic dream. I was in Texas and there was a huge snowstorm slash blizzard. Like it was very apocalyptic. Everything was freezing over. Even people were frozen. And it's like the storm was encroaching, just just kind of like coming, coming, coming. And myself and a group of other um, leaders, we were running for shelter. Mm -hmm. So we ran into this old home, looked like it was, excuse me, from the early 1900s. We ran inside. And when we ran inside, um, you know, things were still, the, the frost and the freeze was just coming. The blizzard was just coming. And people were being frozen. And we knew it was coming toward the house. So it's like, what do we do? We're like, Lord, what do we do? And there was this cast iron furnace. And I looked at it and I heard this voice say, ignite the furnace, ignite the fire. And I said, okay. And when I did that, it started to melt the ice. Everything was melted and the water began to flow. And of course we were delivered, we were, we were protected. And when I woke up, the Lord said to me, he said, a storm of compromise has hit and it's coming. Oh, wow. He said, he said, but um, the, the flames or the furnace of revival will counteract the storm of compromise. He says, we must ignite the flame. And I think that's what God is really saying today. We have to ignite the flame. See, see this thing of compromise and cancel culture and the church being silent is really an issue of personal revival and yeah. collective revival. You know, you can't stand if you're asleep. Mm -hmm. You only stand up if you're awake. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we need an awakening. Yeah. It's not just the culture. It's not just what they're doing and what's happening in LGBTQ or with abortion or with politics. It's the church. It's us standing up and being the light. But you can't be the light until you catch on fire. There were no LEDs when Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Mm -hmm. They didn't have any fluorescent light bulbs. Mm -hmm. The only way to have light 2000 years ago was with fire. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we're gonna be the light, we have to be on fire. We have to be on fire, <laughs> you know? The fire is the only thing that will stop the freeze of compromises hit the culture. And many have been frozen in compromise. But there is a remnant who is saying, God, we're going to stoke the flames of revival. We're going to ignite the flames of awakening. What, what happened back in Azusa in the early 1900s, I believe it's going to happen again. Yeah. It has to. It's not even about photo ops, you know, and saying who, who was the best worship leader during the revival or, mm -hmm. man, who had the best building. No, this is absolutely necessary. 
And I believe it's going to be revivals and breakout in hubs all over the planet, all over the, the United States, but all over the globe. People are going to meet out in front of bars. They're going to meet out in front of gas stations, in football fields, soccer fields. They're going to go out in front of the beaches, and they're going to sing a song of redemption. And I believe that that thing is going to shake people out of their compromise, out of their laziness, their apathy, and their their lukewarm Christianity. Yeah. And cause them to really be on fire for, for God. And, you know, that's what the Lord has shown me about this year. This is going to be a great year. There will be challenges. Yeah. But the church will, will come out victorious Amen. if we surrender to God's purpose. How do we ignite the fire? I think one of the simple ways to do that is, first of all, by making a decision. Mm-hmm. That we're not going to be... Uh, lukewarm Christians. We're not just going to be churchgoers. Yeah. You know, Lord, I want to f- walk in my calling. I want to be a light in the midst of the darkness. And the other thing, Sister Rebecca, is is prayer. Mm-hmm. We got to get back to real fervent prayer. And praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying without ceasing. Praying in the Spirit. Even Spirit-filled Christians and and I heard one pastor say, he said, you can't be a monosyllabic, this is what he said, a monosyllabic a person who prays, you're just like, ba, 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 ba. He's like, no, <laughs> you need to go deeper than that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I believe we got to go deeper, you know, really mm-hmm. contend for the, for, the, for the presence and power of the Spirit, mm-hmm. praying. No, my, God dealt with me. He says, son, don't act like, you know, you've had this success and different things. He says, don't forget how you got there. It was those prayer meetings in your living room on Thursday nights. Oh, wow. We would pray all night long in my living room. We have all night prayer. We would pray from Friday to Saturday morning all night in our house. And then we'd have a breakfast that I would cook for everybody in the morning. Just a little little church. And God said, that's the wow. secret power to everything you see in your life today. And that's going to be the secret power for the church this year. we got to get back to fervent, fiery, effectual prayer in the Holy Ghost that is continual, you know? Not just, you know, we pray a little bit during the worship service. No, we need to have wow. prayer gatherings where we ignite the flames again. Yeah. Then that's how Azusa happened. That's how Azusa happened. Wow. Well, we could keep talking, <laughs> but this has been amazing. Thank you. God Thank you so you. much, seriously, yes. for everything. Thank you. For Thank your you. time, sharing your wisdom. I know the people that are either watching or listening are yeah. going to be so thankful for this. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Bridges, for people who are watching, I think there might be people who are feeling even the unction of the Holy Spirit. They might be feeling that moving of the Holy Spirit and they might be feeling conviction that maybe they were on the fence. Yeah. And they're saying, they are even feel that hunger to see that revival, yeah. to see God move. And they, they say, you know what? I want to stand up. I want to yeah. do what's right. I'm sick of being stagnant. I want to ignite the fire. Can you yeah. pray for those people? Yeah. You know, those of you watching me right now, you're saying, Pastor, I'm just sitting on my blessed assurance, waiting for this sweet by and by, but maybe you've been high and dry. And wherever you are, I want you to pray this prayer or pray along with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for everyone watching. And I declare over their life that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to just lift your hands where you are and say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me afresh. Ignite the flames of awakening in my heart. Cause me to be 
one of the wise virgins, not the foolish, that had oil in their lamps. God, I thank you today for manifesting the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those watching, that they will be awakened out of compromise, out of slumber, and they would arise and walk in the light of Christ. I thank you for a spirit of boldness and a spirit of truth. And God, we commit this to your, pe- to, to your able hands mm-hmm. on behalf of your people. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And amen. amen. God bless you. Thanks so much. I'm so excited. I love this. This is awesome. <laughs> thank you. Come on. And thank you for being, thank you for taking the time yeah, and sitting no, down it's good. and just pouring into, you know, all these people who are either watching or listening. Yeah. We really, you know, everyone here appreciate your ministry. Thank you. And, thank you. you know, for everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. God bless you. And guys, like we talked about, his new book is coming out, Overcoming Familiar Spirits. So you want to be on the lookout for that. Where, when that drops, where can people get it? Anywhere books are sold. Okay. Okay, yeah. awesome. And I want to thank you, Dr. You're Bridges, welcome. for being with us today. You're welcome. And you'll come back. I'll come back. Hey, all <laughs> right. Hey, thanks for watching. Don't forget, you can follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Lamb Weiss.